This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Episode 112 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I am your host, as always, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by DoorDash, NFL Sunday Ticket, TV, Regents Field, and Bet Online. Go check all those places out. Listen to the ads. Go spend some time with them. Maybe, maybe go buy something from them. Really appreciate it over here at the show. So guess what? It's a game week. Yep. First official press conferences of the week happened on Monday. Matt Patricia talked a little bit about the signing of Adrian Peterson, which became official on Monday. Bo Scarborough, as we talked a little bit on yesterday's episode, didn't get released and said he is now on IR, so he can't come back for a minimum of three weeks. And let's just start with Adrian Peterson really quick, and then this is going to be a mailbag episode of the podcast. We're going to try and do these once a week. They might vary on the day as we go here, depending on other things we've got going on interview-wise and scheduling-wise, but we're going to do one a week throughout the regular season at least. So before we get to that, I just want to check in on something that Matt Patricia said about Adrian Peterson. I asked him specifically, is he going to be used this week? And I didn't expect a full game plan type answer. And Matt Patricia said, quote unquote, we'll see. Sure, we'll see. But I look at their roster, I look at their running backs, and I look at prior statements by this coaching staff. And I absolutely think that Adrian Peterson will have a role in the offense on Sunday against the Bears, and he might have a reasonably sizable one. Now, why do I say that? DeAndre Swift is still a rookie. He was injured through the majority of camp. We all know Matt Patricia likes to bring his rookies along slowly as it is. If you remember Carryon Johnson from a couple of years ago, and that was pre-injury history Carryon Johnson, still works him in a lot over those first couple of weeks before He really got going in week three against New England. So I look at that and I say, okay, I think DeAndre Swift will have a role potentially, but a limited role. I think Kerryon Johnson will have a role and may get more carries than anybody else on Sunday, but he will likely share those carries with Adrian Peterson. The Lions didn't bring Adrian Peterson in to be a a five-carry-a-game guy. They didn't bring him in to sit the bench. 
Adrian Peterson is 35 years old. He's in pursuit of climbing up the all-time rushing ladder. He knows he only has a certain amount of time left. He wasn't going to go somewhere where he didn't know that he was going to get some work. Never mind that Adrian Peterson actually had better rushing statistics than any player on the Lions last season, or the season before that, or the season before that, or the season before that. So I think it would be a misnomer to think that Adrian Peterson is not going to come in and have a role right away. I don't necessarily know if it's going to be a feature back type role, as I don't know if they'll be that all season. As I've said before, I think the Lions are going to run running back by committee. I don't think that Adrian Peterson changes that. I think they're going to be somewhat defined roles. I think they're going to run with hot hands. And I think it's going to be very matchup dependent. But I have a hard time seeing Adrian Peterson not having a role with this team on this offense Sunday against the Bears. One funny thing that happened in pressers today was Frank Ragnow, the Minnesota native, talked very openly about his love of Adrian Peterson growing up. And I'll play that sound for you now. It was part of a very entertaining about seven-minute media session with Ragnow, who he's one of the better low-key interviews on the team. He's always fairly honest. He's very genuine. And you can just sense the excitement. He's just very real. And that the excitement you see in those media calls is very similar to how he is from in his real life from talking to people that know him well over the last couple of years. And you can go look at some of the stories I've written about him. It's just real excitement, and you can really sense that. So anyway, this is Frank Ragnow talking about Adrian Peterson. So, as you can tell, Frank Ragnow, super excited about being able to block for Adrian Peterson here in the future. And he's going to need to do it well if the Lions are going to have any success as a run game because Frank Ragnow as a team starting center, very, very valuable. One of the key pieces to the offensive line, to the run game, and to the offense. And the fact that he has that type of admiration and kind of fanboyishness for Adrian Peterson can only potentially portend good things for the Lions rushing attack. So that was just a little bit of the world today in Lions land. And we'll be back right after this with your questions on the Michael Rossin Show. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. 
Choose your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. I'm hungry just thinking about that. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And Sunday, Sunday, Sundays, they're coming back to the NFL. That's right. It's happening this Sunday, even Thursday, just a couple days away now. But with NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite team's and your favorite players. So if you're not in Detroit's market, for instance, and you are a Lions fan, check them out there because guess what? They've got Adrian Peterson now. So no matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. And hey, if you are looking for a place to watch a game on Sunday, Check out Regents Field in Ann Arbor. They're back open now. They're open from Tuesday to Sunday. They're open and they've got live TVs. They've got outside seating where you can watch those TVs. You've got free ski ball, free darts, and even some free video games, including NBA Jam. So go check them out on South Main Street in Ann Arbor. And yeah, it's a fun time. Now, back to our show. So we're back now with your questions in this mailbag edition, and we'll start with Jeremy Friedrichs, who's at FriedrichsJK on Twitter. Hey, Michael, during training camp scrimmages, do the offense and defense know what the other side is running, or do the coordinators try to hide what they're doing? You know, that's actually a really good question, Jeremy, and it's one I don't totally know the answer to. However, I think it's a combination of both, because they still want to use practice to set up certain situations, so... There's, I think, at least the knowledge of, hey, this is what we're working on. This is the type of stuff we're working on. We're working on third down here, so call third down plays. Or, hey, we're working on blitz pickup here, so we'll call blitzes. But I don't necessarily know if the offense knows what the defense is going to run or the defense is going to know what the offense is going to run. I think they're going to have an idea of what situations might be. You get that in some of the two-minute situations, so you get a feel for, hey, this might be what they call. But I think there is still an element of surprise a little bit when it comes to the exact play call, which most times probably helps the offense over the defense. But you have to simulate, especially this year, as much game situations as you can, which is where you can maybe be somewhat predictive as the season goes along of what you might see from film study but you can't be totally predictive because you just don't know what the other person is thinking. I think there's a little bit more of predictability and understanding overall during a practice, but there is still some of that element of surprise, especially during team periods and maybe during scrimmages and two-minute drills of what might end up being called and what might end up being run. Plus, in a practice, you've gone against your teammates so often between training camp and the regular season and watching practices back that there's a decent chance you might know what is coming and the other side of the ball is going to know what's coming 
before it even happens. So there's also that thought process in it as well. But that's a really good question and one I've never really even thought about much before. So uh, kudos to you. And if I get more clarity uh, on that answer in a future episode, I will definitely get back with you. Motown Man, who's at Lots Aluk, that's L-O-T-Z-A-L-U-C, asks, where do you see the biggest holes in the roster? Defensive line depth, offensive line youth, tight end. I'm going to answer all of the above. However, I think it's at varying levels. I'm not as concerned with tight end, although having only two healthy ones on the roster is not a great sign. But I think TJ Hawkinson is going to take a step up here in year two. I think Jesse James, they are going to have more of a plan for him in his second year in the Lions offense. And as far as what they do at a third tight end, Isaac Nato would seem to make the most sense at the moment, unless Hunter Bryant is able to get back. And so far they haven't put him on injured reserve. So you have to wonder if maybe they're really going to try and give him a look and try to get a feel for that. Or if they're just kind of waiting until the end of the week, which sometimes teams are wont to do when it comes to situations and with it being a shorter-term injured reserve situation, maybe that's what they're willing to do, especially since they have the guy that's likely to be called up in his place in Nada already on the practice squad, and they can theoretically protect him this week to make sure nobody can claim him, and... I think at this point, if somebody did try to claim him, the Lions would just do what they would need to do earlier in order to keep him around. So I don't necessarily worry as much about tight end unless Hawkinson doesn't make that jump that I expect he will. Offensive line youth, sure, I think that that's a concern, specifically at right guard where you've got Jonah Jackson who has not taken an NFL snap yet. But everything you've seen from Jonah Jackson in practice tells you that he might be able to make that transition. And they have a bevy of veterans behind him in case that doesn't go well. Sure, in week one, you're probably going to have to roll with it. But if he looks completely overmatched, well, you do have Ode Abusha, you do have Kenny Wiggins, and you do have Bo Benchwell, although Bo Benchwell has no NFL snaps either, on the roster, ready to go and fill in in a pinch. You also have Tyrell Crosby, who's never taken really snaps at guard, but he worked there during training camp that could also fill in in a pinch. You have a few options there. Other than that, when you look at the offensive line, I don't think there's a youth question. Sure, Vitae hasn't necessarily played a ton in this offense or in this role yet, so that will be a question. But Taylor Decker has been in the league for a while, just signed a monster contract extension. Frank Ragnar is one of the best centers in the game, and Joe Dahl is a capable now multi-year starter who you know what you're getting out of Joe Dahl. So if they were starting rookies at both guard spots, I think that would be more of a concern. But the fact that Joe Dahl is at left guard and you've got really that left side of the line that's now played together for a couple of years, I don't necessarily think it's as big of a concern but I would still be worried about it until you kind of see how Jonah Jackson and Vitae handle themselves in games because you kind of know what you're getting from the Decker, Dahl, Ragnow side of the line. And then that goes to defensive line depth. This has been my biggest issue with the franchise and with their roster construction for about a year now. And if not longer, I still don't necessarily see where your pass rush is coming from. I think you're very thin on the defensive line. 
and I don't love the depth of it as well. I think they have a few good players. I think Trey Flowers is a very good player. I think Danny Shelton has the potential to be a good player. Deshaun Hand has shown to be very good when he's healthy. And Romeo Okwara has shown a lot of flashes. Plus, you have Julian Okwara, who I I think is going to have some struggles here early on as he gets used to the speed of the NFL game, as I think a lot of rookies are, but he has shown flashes and shown potential that he could eventually be a really good player. But, uh, you know, it's a situation where if there's an injury or there's guys that are, if it's a long drive and you need to sub guys out, I, I really worry about that depth behind some of those guys. I'm also, as I've said multiple times, not sold on Nick Williams, just from a perspective of, he had one career year. It came against the Bears, so one would think that some of the offensive linemen that he's going to face on Sunday would certainly know his ins and outs, but he would also know theirs. So that could be an interesting little litmus test for him early on. But to me, it's still defensive line. It's some of the starters. It's definitely the depth, and it's frankly an area that I'm surprised they didn't really address more during free agency, during the draft, and even during training camp, trying to maybe see, now, and maybe Bob Quinn did this and just didn't have any takers, but see if you could maybe flip a position you're heavy at, whether it's receiver, whether it's corner, whether it's safety, uh, even whether it's maybe the interior of the offensive line, and, and try to flip that for some defensive line help. Heck, they could have even, if they knew they were going to get rid of Huntley, they could have tried and trade, tried to trade Huntley and get something back, whether it's a, a player or a draft pick, because defensive line, I think, is a, a major concern still at this point when I look at this roster and what could cause them major problems this season. Nino, who is at Nino underscore Miniti four. Asks, how do you see DeAndre Swift panning out this year? How good does Cephas look? Okay, so two rookies. And I'm going to put this caveat in when we talk about rookies for at least the first month of the season. I feel like some of them are just not going to play a lot. I think Matt Patrice is going to be really cautious working them in both from a confidence perspective and also from a you-don't-know-what-you're-getting perspective. The only rookie I think that might see significant, significant, significant time early on could be Jonah Jackson at right guard. I think Jeff Okuda will play. I think DeAndre Swift will play. But I don't necessarily know if either one of those guys are going to get a ton of work here at least in on Sunday in week one. As far as DeAndre Swift goes, when you look at the running back room, I think his role was the least affected by the signing of Adrian Peterson. Swift, to me, the bigger concern is how much time he missed during camp and that acclimation to NFL game speed. With him, I think that's going to take some time, for lack of a better word, to start to work out. But his route running is excellent. His speed is fantastic. His footwork is amazing. So the skill set is absolutely there. And I would imagine he ends up being maybe their pass catching back, their third down back early on. You kind of see where it goes. You give him those responsibilities, let him handle that, and then you give him more as he can handle it. 
But I don't think that that's going to necessarily be affected by Carryon Johnson and Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson is not a guy who has that skill set heavily in his arsenal at this point as far as being a pass catcher. So can't see him in on pure passing situations. Carryon Johnson can do those things, but DeAndre Swift, I think, is just better and faster than him at that. And Carryon Johnson even admitted that he can't do some of the stuff that DeAndre Swift does, but DeAndre Swift can also do some of the stuff that Carryon Johnson does. So I think it's going to be a defined role for him early on, but Swift, to me, of all of those running backs, is the one that I think has the brightest future, and you could see more of by midseason as he continues to improve, and it could end up being a pretty crowded backfield. As far as Cephas goes, he had more good days than bad during camp, I thought, he started off really, really strong, and there were a few days in there that were a bit rough between drops and just some, what looked like some maybe missed assignments. I don't expect him to play a lot this year. I think if he does play, it will primarily be on special teams. But he's clearly the fifth receiver, if not the sixth receiver. He may not even be active on some game days because if you look at the roster, as long as everybody in the receiver room is healthy... Kenny Galladay, Danny Amendola, Marvin Jones are all going to be active. Those are your starting receivers. Marvin Hall is your speed option, and he's your number four receiver. And then, so if you're going to keep five receivers up, Jamal Agnew is likely that fifth receiver because he's also your returner. So I don't even know if Cephas is going to be up all that often unless they want to go heavy on receiver at Uh, a specific week, or if somebody gets hurt, I just don't know how much he'll really be able to contribute early on. It could be a numbers game for him. If he is active, that likely means somebody got hurt, or he started to outplay, say, Marvin Hall, uh, or Jamal Agnew lost the returner job. That's how I think you see Quintez Cephas get active and then maybe get into a special teams role. The only way I can see him on the field in a receiving role early on at least, would be due to injury to other players. Just, I think there's too many people ahead of him. I just have a tough time seeing him get getting much, if not any, work as a receiver. Like I said, I think the first battle for him will be, will be getting active on game day, and I'm not sure I see exactly a path to the 46 for him so early. I could be wrong, and it could be very matchup dependent, but... I think that you might have to go heavier at other positions just for pure balance because Cephas can give you some stuff, but the other five have more defined roles on this team and sometimes multiple roles on the roster. Derek, who's at at D-E-R-R-R-T-Y 1187, asks, Worst case scenario, things don't go well and there's a regime change. How bad do they have to go? Do you think... Both Quinn and Patricia go or just one? If so, who would your favorite for new head coach and GM be? Any chance Bevel gets promoted to head coach? Wow, there's there's a lot there. Um, so I'm not going to touch some of that just because it's a, there hasn't even been a game yet. So much can happen in a season that to predict who a new head coach or general manager would be at this point would be a fool's errand. There's just no no value in doing that, and any answer I would give you would be just a wild guess. So uh, I'm not going to touch that, but I would say how bad do they have to go? 
I mean, I think it would have to be really bad. Like, I think you'd have to be looking at 6-10 and 10 or worse, uncompetitive, not really in the race from the beginning. Uh, you lose your first four, and it, it just goes completely south. I think there's going to be a little bit more leeway here because of the realities of the world and the pandemic and how everything has been on the fly. So I think that you're going to need to just see progress from Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn in order for them to stick around in 2021. The one, one of the things I definitely know about Sheila Ford Hamp, the team owner, is that she's not afraid to make difficult decisions. She's not afraid to stick to her guns if she believes that something is correct. And she's not afraid to go out and make change and try to do the best that she believes for the organization. She's Any move she makes, she's going to do her homework and it's going to be very well researched. I have no doubt about that from how she's handled other things in her life and in her business dealings. So I would think that any decision that would be made would be one that would not be rash by any stretch of the imagination. We've seen that before from other owners, not with the Lions. The Lions, if anything, have showed too much patience at time, and I don't think Sheila fits that category either. So I take them at their word when they say they need to see improvement and major improvement, and they need to be competitive in in games and be competitive for a playoff berth. Now, there's an extra playoff spot this year, and I think this team can be competitive into December. I don't necessarily think they have to make the playoffs in order to keep their jobs. I don't think that they need to be 10-6 and six to keep their jobs. I think if they show competitiveness, if they show progress, if they show, hey, you're in every game and you're winning games and you get to 8-8, eight and eight, let's just say they get to 8-8, eight and eight, I think you can point to that and say, look, this team is coming together. We all understand what this season was as far as the differences in it. And I think that if you're Matt Patricia and you're Bob Quinn, you sell that to keep your job and you just kind of see what how everything plays out. But I think that if they're entering Thanksgiving and they're basically out of it, at that point, you're probably looking at, at movement after the season, if not before. But... I would imagine that I, – I just think that they're going to probably get the full season and we'll see what happens. Now, do I think that both of them would go or just one? I would lean toward them being a package deal, but I'm not totally sold on that. I, I would have a hard time seeing them keep Matt Patricia and not Bob Quinn – just because I think Bob Quinn on the whole has done a better job than Matt Patricia when you look at the body of work, I could see a scenario where they would keep Quinn and not Patricia depending on varying things that might happen. But it still feels to me like the two of them are inextricably tied and whatever happens this season, both of them will either get the credit or the blame for whatever happens. Now, all of that said, I think they're going to be competitive. We're going to get to this in um, in the next question here a little bit. But I think they'll be competitive this year. I think they might actually be a little bit more than competitive. I, 
I'm a believer in their offense from what I've seen so far. I think it has a chance to be very, very potent. The defense still has a lot of questions to me. Uh, and kind of the, the movement in the run game over the last 36 to 48 hours has also raised my eyebrows a little bit. So that brings us to the next question, which comes from Patrick4096798. I'm going to guess that you're not a bot just based off of the fact that you asked me a question and even used the hashtag. Uh, asks, what's your prediction for the Lions this year? And if not the Lions, who wins the NFL? You say NFL Central. I'm assuming you mean NFC Central. Um, and it's the NFC North. So not really sure what's going on there. But all right. So I would say I think the Lions end up at eight and eight, nine and seven. That's that's really where I sit with them. And I think that will put them in competition for the divisional title because I think you look at all four teams and all four of them have some pretty large questions. Uh, Green Bay, who's going to catch the ball? And what does Aaron Rodgers look like? Chicago, obviously their entire offense other than Allen Robinson, I think is a giant question mark. Minnesota is how do all these new starters fit in and what does this defense look like? Although I think that you look at the Vikings now and between Daniil Hunter and Harrison Smith and Anthony Barr and and Yannick Ngakwe, I mean, that's a really – those are good cornerstones to build on defensively. Questions I think there will definitely be their corners and and their rookies and maybe what they get out of some of their offensive options, especially at receiver. So those are the questions with Minnesota. And then Detroit, we've covered it, uh, but it's worth mentioning again, I think their pass rush is a major question. Some of the offensive line is a concern. How this defense meshes on the whole is a major concern. And I think coaching is something that is an unknown at this point a few years in because of decisions that have been made in the past by Matt Patricia. So I think that every team has their flaws and has their major questions that need to get answered. All of that said, I look at the talent, and I think Minnesota is the best team in the division on paper. I think that their defense is the best defense. I think that pass rush is going to still be very, very dynamic. I think their offense has enough to be competitive, if not more so, especially with Dalvin Cook and with Adam Thielen. Uh, and Kirk Cousins has shown he can be a capable quarterback. So I, I'm still going to go with Minnesota to win the division. But I think the Lions are going to give them a run, and it would not shock me if the Lions end up sneaking into the playoffs. I'll have my actual NFL season predictions on Thursday's podcast. But yeah, I think the Lions are in competition for a playoff berth late into the season, and it wouldn't shock me if they snuck into maybe the six or the seven wildcard spot and somehow end up making the playoffs. It would not surprise me. But I will just say this, as with any predictions in any year, but particularly this year because there have been no preseason games, people haven't been able to really watch practices, and they haven't been able to test themselves at joint practices, which is really where you get a lot of information. Everything should be taken with a grain of salt, and just know that, and understand that whatever you're reading prediction-wise, it's likely to be very, very wrong, and... 
don't come down too hard on anybody about it because we just don't know. This year, more than any others, we just don't know. That said, if I end up being right with my predictions, give me all the credit in the world. I'll gladly take it. Last question comes from Stan Wasniewski at Wasniewski. Asks, every year I get my hopes up and every year the Lions disappoint. Is this year really going to be any different? Guessing no. Um, so if for anyone who hasn't figured this out, I'm Jewish. And that question has always been asked by my friends. And it always reminds me of the Passover. One of the questions from Passover, which is why is this night different from all other nights? And... I always get this question and it's like, why is this year going to be different from all other years? And the answer is, I don't know. I can't tell you that because I think you can watch the Lions and watch some of the things that they've done and you can see areas where they've made improvements and you can see areas where there are definite questions. So I can't sit here and say this year is going to be any different because I think it's kind of a prove it situation. And until Matt Patricia shows that he can coach through a season and do it well, I think that that's a major question. At this point, I think you need to see Matthew Stafford healthy through a season, although he's up until last year has largely been able to do that, but he's played toward the end of the season very hurt in a couple of seasons now, whether it was the 2018 season or it was the, I think it was 2016 or 2017 with the finger injury. There have just been issues with him health-wise, and Will on Johnson stay healthy? Will they get any sort of pass rush? These are all questions that if the answers end up being positive for the Lions, I think they could end up, yes, being different. I don't think they can maybe be as good as that 2014 team, which I think was a legitimately good football team, but I think that they can be good enough to push for a playoff berth. And then once that happens, if you get in, you never know what can happen. You have you have a career day and, and you knock somebody out and then you go from there. So I just don't know the answer to that question. and I, I don't want to give false hope and say, yeah, it's going to be different than other years because I just don't know. I think that there are too many unknowns both in the way this season is going to play out in general, but also within this franchise itself to say, yes, this is going to be a lot different than the largely mediocre seasons that you've seen from Detroit really since that 2014 year. And mediocre in some cases the last couple of years is being kind. So I'm sorry I can't give you something more positive, but just trying to lay it out to you straight, man, and just kind of give it to you as best I can. Want to thank you all for listening. Want to thank you all for asking questions. Like I said, we're going to do one of these a week. I'll tweet about it. Uh, We're also going to do either an Instagram chat or a Facebook chat towards the latter end of the week, every week. And please come and participate in those. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein. You can follow me on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. So to be on either Instagram or on Facebook. And I'll let you know based off of Twitter. Uh, And if you don't follow me on Twitter, feel free to shoot me a note on Instagram or asking the comment or asking the reviews or uh, feel free to even shoot me an email at michael.rothstein at espn.com and I'll let you know when I'm doing those chats and yeah one thing my sponsors as always bet online doordash nfl sunday ticket.tv regions field blue wire for hosting this podcast and with that we will chat with you tomorrow 
The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.